Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, experts, and moms around the world. Uh, is anybody else feeling down? I got to turn off the news permanently, I think. I feel so awful for everyone that is enduring the fires in California. I feel like I live in just like the worst scumbag town ever. Uh, not that surprised by all that's coming out with Harvey Weinstein, but it still makes me sick to my stomach. Today we're talking about the shadow, which I guess is a good thing right now because it's about befriending our own dark side, the part of us that we're ashamed of and that we don't want others to see. And so we're going to be talking about how it shows up in your life and how it's holding you back. Psychotherapist and New York Times bestselling author Barry Michaels is also going to explain how it can be the key to your power. The shadow can be kind of confusing as a term. So right here, I'm just going to explain it. Here's what Barry Michaels writes. He says, the shadow is a term used by Carl Jung to refer to the part of you that receives the brunt of your criticism and negativity. It's like an alter ego. Learning to embrace your shadow is key to recognizing that no part of you is completely dark or without worth. If you can love the quote unquote worst parts of you, you can love everything and everything unites in wholeness. He wrote that for the website Goop. Gwyneth Paltrow's site, who was also just in the news about Harvey Weinstein. Anyway, back to the shadow. So this is part two of my conversation with Barry. Wait, 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 wait. If you didn't listen to part one, don't, don't, don't abandon me. <laughs> P.S. All my issues are going to come out to play in this podcast. We'll just jump into this one. I'll bring you up to speed and you can listen to part one afterwards. And you should check that one out. It's from August, and we hit on a bunch of mom issues, and uh, it's it's really helpful. He tackles our issue of, you know, having low energy or, you know, when we don't have self-control when it comes to eating or our temper, uh, and these are also topics that he helps us with in his new book, Coming Alive, Four Tools to Defeat Your Inner Enemy, Ignite Creative Expression, and Unleash Your Soul's Potential. He wrote that book along with his colleague and mentor, Phil Stutz. And you can check out both of their books and articles written by them and about them at thetoolsbook.com. So again, their recent book is Coming Alive. And this past weekend, oh, see, maybe this is also like a hangover because... I I felt so alive this past weekend. We were in New York, and it was so much fun, and it was so, so glamorous. It started with me taking my almost 11-week-old out of the car seat at LAX. I put her in her little carrier. She was wearing this cute little outfit with a little, like, hoodie with little bare ears, and then she threw up all over my face, all over me. And then I recoiled, which is hard to do when you've got a baby and a carrier. And then I pulled her out and uh, she'd blown out the whole back of her diaper. So we are outside the terminal. It was like, we're not even inside the airport yet. And I am changing my daughter's whole ensemble on my husband's luggage. It was very glamorous. (laughs) Actually, it was my stepsister It was her black tie wedding in New York. Congratulations to Barbara and Ara. 
Thank you for having our four-year-old Sabrina be a flower girl. The best mom move I've ever made was declining my daughter's invitation to the reception. I had so much fun because she wasn't there. And I don't feel bad about that. Not one bit. I didn't need her weaving in and out of a bunch of drunk people on the dance floor, uh, myself included. So she had a great time back at the hotel ordering overpriced hot chocolate. She was very happy and I was very happy. And I'm so glad I didn't give in to any sort of mom guilt about excluding her. Uh, One fun thing that the flower girls did, we were down in Wall Street. So it was two other flower girls and my daughter. They were a little older. And we cleared the tourists from the fearless girl statue and the three girls posed with the fearless girl. And so the two girls had their arms on their hips, just like the fearless girl. And my four-year-old just stood there and we're like, put your hands on your hips. And she's like, no. And she smiled. But we were like, put your hands on your hips, Sabrina. No, wasn't going to do it because she's the actual fearless girl, right? And I'm proud of her. Because, you know, the Fearless Girl statue, yeah, there was a bank behind it, right? And that bank that commissioned it is the State Street Corporation. It's a $2.6 trillion asset manager. I'm reading from Bloomberg right now that, you know, like a week ago, they just settled on a gender pay dispute. Yeah, they settled U.S. allegations that it discriminated against hundreds of female executives by paying them less than male colleagues. Awesome. I guess they had to uh, spend that money commissioning the fearless girl. Just kidding. So, yeah, my fearless girl didn't give in to the gimmick, and I'm proud of her. And uh, the world's a terrible place. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful wedding, though. The ceremony was at Trinity Church. And guess who's buried at Trinity Church? Alexander Hamilton and Eliza. And those of you who have been listening for years know that I'm obsessed with Hamilton. Actually, when I shared my birth story, there was audio from it. And uh, a listener pointed out that she could hear Dear Theodosia playing in the background. And I may or may not have named my daughter Eliza after Eliza. So that was really special to see. And speaking of my birth, that was so intense. It was a really intense, unmedicated four-hour, it was a crazy ride. And there's just this one moment that's been replaying in my mind again and again. It's been really bugging me. You know how like this one little moment can just hijack a whole experience because you keep ruminating on it. During my discussion with Barry, because look, I've got like the top psychotherapist across from me, right? I'm going to ask him about it because I want to feel better about it. And I had a feeling that it had to do with my shadow. I I had a feeling that the reason I couldn't let it go had to do with my shadow. Uh, So I want to play for you this moment in the audio of my birth where a a woman comes in and she says, you know, these doctors are going to come in at the end and watch me give birth. And I say, no, I don't want them there. I do not give them consent. So here is that moment. So, there's going to be a couple of people joining us. Oh, there's 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 a couple of people joining us. Good. 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 Good.
Okay, so you just heard the woman and me saying no, and my doula, you know, bringing me back to the job, the task at hand, which is focusing on my baby and my breathing. And so when I was pushing, these doctors came in and they watched me. I, I like I could, you know, they're staring right down the chute. And I said, uh, you know, I, I ended up being focused on them and not on, you know, the moments leading up to meeting my child. And that's a big bummer for me. And instead of focusing on the familiar faces that were so loving and connected to me, you know, my OBGYN was fantastic. I loved my doula. No, I was focused on these doctors at the back of the room. They were, it's a teaching hospital, I guess. And, you know, it was July. So I guess they had just started up and uh, it's very possible that they'd never seen an unmedicated birth before. And I was not exactly uh, zenning out. And I remember this one man's face staring at me and he looked so uncomfortable and concerned. And uh, that's what leads me to the shadow because Barry, in the first part of this conversation that you may not have heard yet, you know, he says, when I explained to him the situation, he's like, they should not have been in the room and this is a sacred moment and you should have been listened to. And then we delve into like why it bothered me so much because I think it wouldn't have bothered other mothers. And so I, I was curious, like, why it gets me so deep down. And so basically, you know, the shadow is a part of yourself that you're ashamed of other people seeing. And so we're going to dive into my birth story, that moment, what he says about it, what it has to do with the shadow. He's going to share his own experience with his shadow. And the first part of this conversation, I'm going to talk about what the shadow has to do with parenting and why it's so important as parents to understand our shadow and align with it. And when we come back after our conversation, I'm going to share an email, a little email correspondence I had with Barry that will further illuminate everything. Okay, I'll be right back. I get really crazy when I read these, I get op-eds about parenting, um, about how like, you know, it doesn't really matter how you raise your kid, like you're not going to screw them up. I get really upset about it because we are the caregivers of their shadow. Exactly. And a lot of what we're carrying around is uh, the criticisms uh, of our own of what we heard when we were children or what we were, even if a parent didn't say it, what we were able to intuit or what or how we saw our parent treat their own shadow. And so then we feel like, oh, they're ashamed of that. I should be ashamed of that. Exactly. My biggest flaw as a parent is that I wasn't uh, emotionally present enough with my kids. And I know why. Because I was so hurt as a kid by my, by my mother, mostly, that I never wanted to inflict that hurt on them. So I just kind of treated mm-hmm. them with kid gloves. And the only thing they've ever complained about is, 
we don't care. We just want you to be more present with us, you know, kind of thing. So, which fortunately I've had the chance to work out and repair with them. But yes, what you're, you're definitely going to project your shadow onto your kids and you're going to, you're going to treat, you're going to, that's going to be the hardest part of parenting. I, I, I treat a father now who's, um, who had terrible experience in sports as a kid where he didn't, really make it on any teams. His parents were completely uninvolved. And he is now so over-involved with his son's, you know, like soccer team. He's like the crazy parent, you know, kind of thing. And he's making up for his own shadow, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, this is a ubiquitous, universal thing where you project your shadow onto your kid and then try to fix it or try to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so close, close your eyes okay. for a moment. And visualize yourself in that hospital bed from the doctor's point of view with all of the judgments that you imagine them having. And tell me a little bit more about what you see, who... What does Ellie look like? What is and- it's funny? The first thing is like my vagina, uh-huh. <laughs> or I guess I should be more uh, anatomically correct. My vulva, it's like the oh, see, but then I want to even judge the judges. Start with the judgment, yeah. Then the judgment the- is like it's massive, uh, there's fluid coming out of it, mm-hmm. it's like. Bigger than my head. <laughs> that when you scan up, I'm, you know, this this girl is out of control. Mm. She's scared. She's staring at us mm. with pleading eyes. She's weak. Mm. Um, okay, that's fantastic. she's literally on her back. That's fantastic. Keep your eyes closed. Forget about the doctors. Forget about the nurses. Forget about the hospital even. Just imagine that you're in a room now with this shadow figure. And imagine that she's lived inside of you your entire life. And that she has always felt this way. And that it's really not anyone else who's made her feel this way. It's you. And without being overwhelmed with guilt, just empathize with her. Like, oh my God, I see what I've done. I'm really sorry. I love you. And does she have a reaction to that? I felt a softening in my body. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the the first reaction is like, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, so your um your shadow's a little codependent because oh, yeah. um, it's really not okay. Right. So look oh, yeah. her in the eye and say, no, it's not. And I don't want you to take care of me like that. I want to know when I'm doing this. I need you to call me on this BS. Because we're going to stop this now. You and I are going to be unbreakable allies. Ugh. It's hard yeah, because 
it's like you, like so used to being dominated. It's hard to find you like it's hard to find the equal footing. Which the shadow is so yeah. used to being dominated. Yeah. 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 And to for the shadow to acknowledge that it was wronged. Right. Right. So open your eyes. Part of this is just the work of resurrecting a relationship with your shadow. It's just like, if this were a real person in your life, it would take a long time for them to admit what you've done to them and to really stand up to you mm-hmm. for it. You wouldn't expect it to happen the first time you connect with them. And that's why shadow work is one of the things that people just have to do that for the rest of their lives. I've literally never had a day go by since I started doing shadow work where I haven't connected with my shadow. And my relationship with him has changed substantially. In fact, I'll tell you the story of my first contact with my shadow. He was... I mean, my dynamics are different from yours. I was a, I, my shadow was all of my anger was stored up in my shadow because my, my parents were so crazy that you had to be really, really good and really, really nice around them. But anything that felt like this is crazy, you know, anything yeah. that was angry had to get shut down. Yeah. So the first time I saw my shadow, he was like a 15-year-old adolescent. Stand- <laughs> I remember this so vividly. He was standing at the corner of Chautauqua and Sunset, where I, I used to hang out a, a lot. And I went up to him and I said, you know, can I talk to you? And he s- gave me the finger. And he said, F you. And he walked away. He wouldn't even talk to me. Wow. So I literally, every single day for a couple of minutes, I would go back. Every single day, he would give me the finger and walk away. Until finally, out of the blue, and I swear this was out of the blue, I I didn't make this happen. One day I came up to him and he just put his hands on his hips and he said, all right, what do you want? Like, what are you doing down here? You know, kind of thing. And it was after that, that I kind of broke through and our relationship changed. But he had to put me to the test. Like, is this just some stupid psychological technique you're Mm -hmm. using on, you know, by the way, my mother was a shrink. So he was used to like this shrink energy of, you know, everything's going to be fine in one fell swoop. And he put me to the test and I passed the test. And he, and by, from that point onward, he was willing to work with me. And what you find to make this even more complicated is that the shadow, although it initially appears to be the most fallen the most vulnerable, the most damaged part of you, it has strengths that you don't have. Like my shadow had the ability to stand up to people. My shadow had an incredible creative ability, the ability to speak, you know, extemporaneously. Whereas I was just always trying to be a good boy. My shadow was kind of like, no, you don't have to be. Is it possible that we have multiple shadows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to complicate no, I know, things I know. Of for course people not. No, learning because about I'm, it for I'm, the first time, but yes. Because I'm thinking about how, in this instance, the shadow that comes up is that it, it feels to me like my third grade self. Mm. And it's like this very, very sweet little girl that just like wants so badly to be loved that like there can't be a um, that 
that it's that, yeah, the codependency of like, no, no, it's okay. Like, we're all good. You said that, that we're totally good. Like, please love me. I'm still scared you're not going to love me. Yes. And so maybe it's yeah. going back to that. Just trying going back so to her. hard to be loved and to be safe and to be, for everything yeah. to be okay. And for yeah. everything to be okay. Or or like, oh, I'll, I'll change in these ways to make everything okay. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's about my adult self now going back or, you know, just keep continuing to show up to prove to her that like I am legit about, or like that I, I do intend to hold her hand and to, to stand by her. Her, the message that you want to send her, and it can be in words or even better, it can just be in your energy. The message is you are fine exactly as you are. You don't need to change for anyone. I don't want you to change for me. I accept you completely and utterly. And it won't, you won't be able to snap your fingers and have mm-hmm. that change her. But it, it's the initial work is freeing her from that need to please you and make everything yeah. okay, you know, for you. Which, remember, just makes you feel judged by other mm-hmm. people like you're not doing it well enough. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing, like in the doctor situation. Yep. So it's, I I can't, you know, you can't accomplish this in one day or one week, but I cannot overemphasize how great it feels when you feel united with your shadow in front of somebody who would ordinarily split you from your shadow. It's a oh, yeah. doctor. It's an authority figure. So, of course, that has potential. But when you can unite with your shadow in front of an authority figure, there's a freedom in that. Like, no, I'm not going to feel embarrassed. Or if you ever re- have to read comments or something that yes. are negative, because yeah. then it's like, no, this isn't ammunition towards my shadow. No. I'm aligned with my shadow. Exactly. Like, we're doing this. T- we're in this together. And know, it's, I, I'm thinking now that maybe when I've had more work with that, like, it'll be interesting to see how that shadow develops or what other, because like, there's probably a tattooed like nose pierced shadow somewhere that like I have not been able to like go near because I'm still so focused on like the good little girl trying to be. I had a, a repetitive dream, a recurring dream. And often you get shadow figures in dreams because your ego doesn't have as much control over the dream. You know, in a dream, your ego really doesn't have much control. It's kind of more being subjected to these powerful images and shadows in dreams often show up as a same sex same sex figure but darker it's not racial even though this was a black man it's it's more just kind of like the ego stands for light the shadow stands for dark shadows are dark you know kind of thing and at first he showed up as this black guy who had a dagger who was chasing me down a street trying to kill me And every time when I woke up from the dream, I would use this technique of Carl Jung's called active imagination, where I was awake, but I would go back into the dream. And instead of running away from him, I would face him. And I would just say, I want to know who you are. And sometimes he would stab me. And other times he would just stop and look at me. And But gradually, I noticed that the dreams started changing. So now the same figure was a homeless bum just asking me for handouts, you know? And again, I would use active imagination. I would ask him, what do you want from me? And it wasn't money. It was more like love and attention, you know, stuff like that. And then the final sequence of the dream, this took place over like, I don't know, six or eight months or so, 
was the same shadow figure was on a throne and he was this incredibly wise, regal figure. And he was essentially telling me whenever you get stuck, you know, when you don't know what to say, call on me, you know, kind of thing. So there's this dirty little secret that therapists will never tell you, which is that very often in sessions we sit there and we have no idea what to say. It's like, I have that problem too. What, what the hell? I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, kind of thing. So whenever that's why you guys are so quiet. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't know what to say. Whenever just I like, would just look empathic. Just exactly. Like, <laughs> so whenever I would come to one of those moments, I would call on that figure, and the weirdest thing would happen. I would just start talking, and I would be kind of like discovering what I was saying at the same time as the patient was. And some of this stuff was so good. It was like, after the patient would leave, I would write it down because this is really good information, you know, kind of thing. And that's a good sort of example of how the shadow shifts from being like a quasi-dangerous, scary, you know, inferior kind of figure to something that has incredible wisdom, you know, in it. Well, it's it's so exciting because also like, the idea that we have so many portals within ourselves and that it's so limitless, like our, yes. our abilities and how we just think of ourselves in this one way and we try to shut down all these other parts of ourselves and then we're not able to access these things that are incredible or these insights yes. when we can accept more parts of ourselves, like that, that you're saying that you can... Um, channel wisdom that you didn't even know was accessible. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and again, to get back to parenting, I feel really strongly that a parent who is walking through those portals and discovering things about herself is presenting a fantastic model for their kids because instead of having to be perfect, which kids are not, none of us is, The model is, no, I'm an ever-evolving being, and you can be too, you know, kind of thing. So what could be greater for kids than that? I mean, it's, it's a wonderful message. Okay, isn't Barry the best? I wanted to share with you all this email that I got from Barry. Uh, I had written him basically saying that I thought I did it all wrong. Shocker. Shocker that I would do that. (laughs) And so I have this great email from Barry. But first I want to say that on the airplane back from New York, okay, this is something I didn't realize until I was on the plane, that our children also know our shadow. Like, yes, we project our shadow onto them, and that's a huge bummer. But they can also sense our shadow and like they just like drag it out into the sunlight. Do you know what I'm talking about? So Sabrina was watching Elena, Princess of Avalar on the plane and there's a song in the middle of the episode and she starts belting it out at the top of her lungs. And I said to Sabrina, you know, love, you can sing to your heart's content walking through the airport. You can sing in the car. I love your voice. You cannot sing on the plane. There are people sleeping. Uh, She didn't like that. She threw a fit. I took away the iPad. She eventually calmed down. And then she said, I'm sorry, mom. And she leaned in like she wanted to whisper something in my ear lovingly. So I gave her my ear. 
and she said, it's all your fault. Uh, I, I turned away. I looked out the window and um, I really tried to hide my laughter because it was so unsettling. I mean, she probably got that phrase from some dumb show uh, or a friend on the playground or something. It's all your fault. But it just like grabbed my shadow, man. It just was like, how do these kids know what to say? Uh, I also think as a daughter, uh, I it's fair for me to say that I think daughters have a really special gift of this, right? Like daughters can just, we just know what our parents' shadow is and we'll just drag it out. They know. So here's the email uh, between me and Barry. So, you know, the, we had friendly correspondence going on and it was, I, I was half joking, but I said, you know, I, I'll, I keep thinking I did it wrong is what I wrote. I wrote, like my shadow self is supposed to be way more aggressive and instead I went to codependent people pleasing. Like the shadow self I shared wasn't ugly enough or something. And I said, the irony is not lost on me that I'm judging the way I represented my shadow self. Oh boy, the work never ends. Uh, and then Barry wrote back how hilarious I am, which makes him my favorite person ever. <laughs> He wrote, for what it's worth, all the self-doubt about finding the quote-unquote right shadow is just your ego's way of trying to do everything perfectly, which means as long as your shadow is imperfect, you've done it right. To make things even more complex, what we deem quote-unquote imperfect is constantly in flux. One moment it's the part that said the wrong thing to somebody. The next moment it's the part with body odor. The next moment it's the part that overreacted to your kid or questioned whether you really love your husband, etc. It goes on and on. So the shadow doesn't have to and really shouldn't necessarily look or be the same from one moment to the next. The main thing for you is to identify whatever you're judging as quote unquote wrong and perfect, unacceptable, and not only dissolve the judgment, but send her love for having subjected her to this ongoing stream of judgments. Really think about it. Imagine what it's like for her living with a sheer barrage of these judgments. You know, it's like an unending assault. So this podcast, everybody, is my unending assault of love. Uh, for you all, it's an unending assault that will come back next week. So subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. Please share this podcast with five friends. You know, I've got a new, I've, well, she's a newborn for one more week. Uh, I need you to help me spread the word, everybody, because I'm doing these episodes every week and I, I can't also be the uh, the PR, right? I really appreciate it. Reach out to us on Instagram, at Atomic Moms, and on Facebook. Take care of yourselves, right? Times are weird, and I don't think it's just because I'm sleep-deprived. Love on yourself. Align with your shadow. Until next week, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Atomic Moms.